Good to be back with you guys. Going to do something a little different this weekend. And uh, I want to, first of all, I just want to thank all of, I thank Pastor Aaron, thank all of our staff, thank all of our volunteers and all of our ministry leaders uh, to be able to give us a gift to be able to be gone for just a, a little bit of a season of time to get refreshed. Can we give them all a big hand and all of you guys a big hand? So... So many faithful people, so many people who are talented and blessed, uh, I'm, we're blessed to be able to uh, be surrounded by you guys. And so we're so thankful for that. A lot of you guys have been wondering, like, what do you do? What did you do for the last six weeks? And so we uh, did a lot of, you know, I, I did a lot of sitting around on my back deck with my Bible, just looking at uh, the trees and listening for God's voice. I did some kayaking out at Smithville Lake. We did uh, some project, a lot of projects caught up on those because those had piled up and then just a lot of family time. And then last sabbatical, I took a trip by myself. This sabbatical, I felt like Becca was supposed to go with me. And so we didn't know where we wanted to go. And and at first, I just wanted to drive all the way to Alaska. Like, I just was like, I'm going to go to Alaska. And then I started to think about how many days that would take to do that just one way. And so I decided, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But we decided, well, let's go to Canada. And, and so we, we drove to Banff and Jasper National Parks, which is about where we ended up was about 28-hour drive one way from where we are right now. And we took our our truck and our rooftop tent, and we lived into that, lived in that thing for 11 days. And so I, I woke up, took a trip, got, got out of my bed. And next time I slept in a real bed was when we got back to my house. And so some of you guys are like, that is crazy. And we just had a blast. And so, so fun. you got to turn your mic on there. Oh, it is on. Okay. Uh, so it, it was just a blast. So some of the things, so a picture is worth a thousand yeah, there's a little hesitation. I thought I was, we were planning this. I was like, as soon as I say that, they're just going <laughs> to chime right in. And same thing last night. Everybody was hesitant. So pictures worth a thousand words. I could say a thousand words about every moment, but I just thought I would just show you guys some pictures. And so I'll just, I'll just cue these through. This is just Black Hills National Forest. We're just up there miles away from anybody, way up on a forest road somewhere. Just beautiful, beautiful time. People wondered if we saw bears. Yes, we did see bears. And uh, no, no real, I mean, we're still, I have all my appendages, so we're good. Uh, click through to the next one here. I'll just talk about this is Lake Louise and that, that color on the screen doesn't even do justice to what it is in real life. It's just that is the most photographed lake in the world, by the way. And it was just beautiful. So we got to do some of that. Next picture. Yeah, we're hiking. I'm up there on a High Line Trail. This is actually in Glacier National Park on our way back through. You can see little cars down there. Uh, it, they have a rope, but who's going to use that to hang on to? Um, but <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up hiking in six days, about 75 miles hiking in six days, which was chill for us. Cause last time we did 90. So, uh, we were relaxing. Slackers. Yeah, we were relaxing. So, uh, next picture, I'm just going to click. This is one of my favorite places. This is San Wapti Falls. This is just a beautiful place on the Icefields Parkway and just, just a beautiful, beautiful place to, to sit there by the waterfall. We had lunch there. Next picture. Uh, yeah, every place that you went is just like iconic, just picture perfect. I, I'm just showing you a small sampling of these pictures, but it's just uh, just beautiful. Next picture, what do we got? Uh, yeah, this is, this is a Moraine Lake. 
and that water is just just blue from the glaciers. I like that so much. I'll just show you another picture of it. It's there's me at that place. <laughs> yeah, just to prove that I was there, and I I like it so much. I'll just show you one more of the same place because it's just stunning, right? It's just stunning, just beautiful places. Let's go to the next one, and yeah, this is this is just iconic pictures everywhere. We climbed that, most of the way up that, called Castle Mountain, got to watch a snowstorm come in below us, and uh, just a beautiful picture there. I don't know what else we got. And go, to, go to the next one. Oh yeah, this is, this is Pato Lake. Can you see it's shaped like a wolf? Can you see the wolf there, the wolf's head there? And it's just, it's fed by glaciers and just Beautiful, beautiful thing. Becca had one of her favorite spots, but. Yeah, so what you've seen so far, um, the weird thing, like Canada has two kinds of hikes, and one hike, with a lot of the ones you've already seen, it's like you pull into the parking lot and it's like right there, you know? But the rest of the hikes were like the opposite. You know, you get out of the car and you hike up for like five miles, you know? And so we had to do some of those. And so my favorite of those was called the Bald Hills Trail which doesn't sound very exciting, like who wants to go? I wonder why she's picked that Who wants to go see a bunch of bald hills? Except me, no, but um, anyway, uh, so. <laughs> so let me give you just a few bullet points of the Bald Hills Trail. It, it was four and a half miles one way up, um, and the first half of the trail is an old forest trail, so it's literally just kind of a, a road with forest. No views, just up for forever. And then once you get out of that, it's snow, at least when we were there, snow and slush, like stepping into you know, a foot of water, basically. And so we get to the top. I am like exhausted. One of my feet is hurting. I'm trying to kind of baby it. Uh, I have to take off my shoes and socks and wring them out. They're so wet. It's cold. We get to this poorly designed sign that tells us we're not even there yet. We still have another mile to go. Um, and Sean's like, well, why don't we just stop here for lunch? And I'm like, okay, that's great. And so I sit down, and you might be wondering why this is my favorite hike. Well, as soon as I sat down, I finally looked up and I saw this. Will you cue the video, please? And so we've been on trails before where we kind of come out into the, the thing you're supposed to look at, and it's been so beautiful. It's like made me tear up. This wasn't that kind of experience. It was, this kind of just grew on me. Like as we sat there, it's like the beauty. It doesn't the, even look real, does it? It doesn't even look real. It's like kind of frustrating what we captured. It doesn't even look real. But I just like soaked it in. And this actually is called Old Baldy's Viewpoint. Who else? I want to rename this. <laughs> Why is that called that? But anyway, so we. She really liked this hike. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we, we finished our lunch. And then we heard the last thing you want to hear on top of a mountain, which is thunder. And so Sean's like, let's not finish it, let's turn back. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. So yeah, so we, we had a, a beautiful time. Ja Jasper National Park, which is above Banff, is the, second, the world's second largest light preserve, which means you can see the stars, like amazing. And so it was just awesome. Uh, another picture just to uh, confirm, we were there. So that is that. Um, and I forget, we got, I think, two more pictures. Let's go ahead and show the next picture. Yeah, we stayed at a KOA named Journey. I was like... <laughs> This is God-ordained. And then if you ever need one of these, uh, we found these. Maybe they're only in Canada, but here it is. It is a bendable, poseable Jesus of Nazareth. You can bend them and pose them, in every, which is what some people do anyway. I ain't even preaching yet, guys. This is just the pictures. 
But this is what we found. And so it was, just, but these, these aren't even my favorite, one of my favorite pictures. I'm gonna save that for, the, for later on in the message, but I have a favorite picture from sabbatical. So just keep, keep all those in mind and then we'll, we'll save that. But um, what, one of the things is when we were coming back into the United States, like you have to go through customs and all that type of stuff. And they're like, welcome home, you know? So we're driving, pulling out of the place to check in. We're driving in the truck. And all of a sudden, that no joke, there's an eagle that flies down right beside our truck as we're driving. It's like hovering right beside us. We're like. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Everybody's like, did you get a picture? And I'm like, no, no. I'm, we were in disbelief. I'm like, I'm like what? This is does everybody get this? Is this like, is this this eagle's job to do that when you come back in? I'm like, way to go, America. Like, that is just great. Just felt so welcome back. But um, one of the benefits of all the miles and all the kilometers, eh, is uh, of, of driving in Canada and all of the, you know, it's all those miles of hiking is that there's an abundance of space for conversations. There's just thousands upon thousands of words. And we're in the Transform series, so if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 21. Sometimes when I go through these, you know, series like this, I'll like to drill down on a word or a phrase or a story and to really kind of mine out what's there. And, and you know, when you're going through chapter by chapter, you can't really hit everything. And so sometimes I like to just take a chapter and just say, God, what is the theme that you're speaking to me? What's the theme and the thread that's running through? And that's what I really want to highlight in this chapter. And really what I did this week, at the start of this week, came back off sabbatical, and I just texted Becca. I said, hey, do you want to preach with me? And she said, what are we preaching about? I said, I don't know. I said, you go pray, I'll go pray, and then we'll come back and we'll see. And we came back and we basically hit the same topic. I was like, okay, then this may be a little different message, but this must be what we need to hear. And so... What we're going to do is we're going to read. I'm going to have Becca read the scriptures. I'll do a little commentary, just a brief. We'll just move through it really quick to kind of get a thread going. Acts chapter 21 and verse 4. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. So I can't re-preach the whole series. Many of you guys know Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He, in his mind, he has an appointment with Jerusalem, essentially to be a martyr in Jerusalem. And so he's working his way there. And he, stop, he stops off in Tyre. And everybody is prophesying, speaking, you know, to, to warn him, essentially, that something bad might happen in Jerusalem. And, but he feels like he's got to get to Jerusalem. He wants to be there for uh, Pentecost, and he wants to, to be there. He just feels like he's supposed to be there. And so, so they all gather around at the beach and after he's there for a few days, and they send him off, and he goes on to the next place because he's determined to get there. Acts 21 eight and nine. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So Philip is the guy, you remember back in Acts chapter six where you know the, the ministry was expanding, they needed to choose seven to serve and Philip was one of those guys. But Philip was also the guy who met with the Ethiopian eunuch, remember? And the guy says, well, where's the, there's water here, let's baptize. And so he baptizes him, and then he gets translated to another place, and we don't see him anymore. Well, he ends up in Caesarea, and we find out that he must have been married. He has these daughters who prophesy. So those of you guys who think women can't preach, uh, yeah, uh, they, right here, they are the mouthpiece of God, and they are speaking out. And so he, he goes through, and they are using their voice to proclaim God's word, the very next scripture. 
Acts 21, verse 10. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So get the picture of this. This guy comes up to Paul, whoosh, takes off his belt, ties up his own hands and feet, and says, whoever owns this belt, this is what's gonna to happen to you in Jerusalem. Again, giving a warning, saying this is, you know, and so they tried to warn him that something bad is going to happen. So Paul, he says, why are you guys breaking my heart? I know I'm supposed to go there, and I know what's going to happen, and I appreciate these words, uh, but it just, it just strengthens my resolve to go because I know what's ahead of me, and so he goes, and he goes to Jerusalem, long story short, he's walking around the temple and the crowd, I mean, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people here. And there was a rumor that was going around about Paul and accusations that get hurled at Paul that he was trying to get people to do stuff that they weren't supposed to do against the law and all sorts of stuff. Stirs up the whole crowd. They start, they take Paul out of the temple, shut the doors. They start beating on Paul. And he starts to get beat. And then all of a sudden these soldiers come and they stop beating him. The soldiers come to essentially rescue him, but simultaneously put him in prison. And the crowd is so worked up that the soldiers have to carry him. You can read it. They have to carry him above the crowd as he's being led out. And one thing that's interesting is as Paul is up there being carried by the soldiers in this mob, he's like, uh, hey guys, can, can I say a word? Can I speak? And they're like, you speak our language? And he's like, yeah. And they, they say, well, weren't you that Egyptian guy who led a revolt? He's like, no, I'm Paul. And, and he asked for a moment to speak at the very end of the chapter, Acts 21, 39 through 40. Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying... And that's the cliffhanger. Like, that's the end of the chapter. And, and then we'll, we'll look at the next, next week. But the thread that God lifted through, through the, this chapter... And again, there are many different threads that we could pick out, but in, when we were praying and then just, I just saw this theme is this power of words, this power of words to prophesy. Sometimes the words were a warning. Sometimes they, even though they were a warning, they served as an encouragement to Paul. Sometimes they were accusations in the crowd where they were accusations that almost brought death to Paul. And even Paul at the end, he wants to have a moment to be able to speak. I mean, you guys know that the, the Bible says in Proverbs that death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's something very powerful about our words. And one of the things that God was dealing with me personally on our sabbatical was my words. And I started to really wrestle with that and to, as I was trying to contemplate the power of words, the value of words, I kept trying to come up with what words are. Like, what are words and how do I use them? And the only thing I could come up with repeatedly for some reason was I thought in a very positive way that words are a weapon. They can be used to slay giants. They can be used to cut down lies. They can be used to divide uh, truth from, from fiction. And, and I just, every time I kept coming back, words, were, words are a weapon. Many of you guys may feel like that. Like you, you use them that way in a very powerful way. And I realize also that I'm very tied to my words. I'm a talker. How many talkers do we have out there? Any talkers? Yeah, I talk all the time. And then also my calling is tied to my words. And so 
I can't get away from words. And so, I, but I kept wrestling with this. Words are, I couldn't come up with another definition that really meant something to me. And then I, re- I remembered as I was reading in my devotional time one morning, Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, it's a very famous scripture. It says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So you, you wanna mature, you speak the truth, but in love. Now, God began to challenge my understanding of this scripture. Because let me just be real with you because here's how I've always understood that scripture. I've always understood that scripture to mean this. There are truth people and then there are love people. The truth people need to speak the truth, but they've got to add some love to it or there's no good in speaking the truth. And the love people, if you are so loving that you never speak the truth, you have to have the truth or it's not loving. And so I've always just kind of thought of that scripture that way, that there are truth people and there are love people, and I'm a truth person, right? How many, how many truth people do we got out there, you know? And so I'm like a truth people, and I know, I know, I know myself well enough that yes, I need to add love to what I say. I need to add love to what I say because in some ways I've always been the guy who is not afraid to tell the truth who's not afraid to say what needs to be said, even if other people won't say it. I've always been the guy who would be willing, even if reluctantly, to say the hard thing, possibly the negative thing, even if it were true, and to do, to say things that people had a hard time saying. And if you've been in this church long enough, you've probably experienced some of that, where I will just say what is true. And then I kept reading. Because later on in that scripture, in that chapter, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. But only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And God laid a thought on me that I'd never had before. And maybe you guys have already had this thought, and I'm just way behind, and that's quite possible. I understand this. But from the place where I've been at, I've I had this thought. What if truth in that Ephesians 4.15 scripture didn't mean negative truth? What if it didn't even mean hard truth that others had a hard time saying? What if it actually meant good truth, positive truth, to speak the positive true things in love, like out of love? I can't tell you why. I've never had that thought before. I just, I always thought there are truth people and there are love people. And the truth people need to add love. Now, certainly there are times, hear me now, there are times when you have to say hard truths, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it became my habit and probably my hobby <laughs> to be able to say hard truths because I was willing to do it because I'm a truth person. But then God said, what if truth meant positive truth? How much power could that have if done from the motivation of love? And then I began to see all of these times in my life. Well, not all of them. It would take too long. I began to see several times in my life where I had said things that certainly were true things. Certainly were hard things. But just because they were true, it didn't mean that I had to say them. 
And then I said things that were true hard things that I didn't say in love. And all of a sudden, this whole list of things began to come to mind. And I began to realize, wow, there is power in words. So I want to give you guys three thoughts about words today that I believe are going to help us out. And the first thing is this. Some things need to be unsaid. You see, your words are a reflection of what's really in your heart. The Bible says if you want to know what's really in your heart, just listen to yourself talk. If you had a transcript from all of last week, like if somebody handed you a transcript of all of your words, would anybody like an edit? <laughs> but see, the truth is, the Bible says that's, that's just pouring out what's already in you. And so there's, no, there's not necessarily anything to be you know, ashamed about in one sense because that's just a, it's, just, it's already there. It's, it's not like it's, it's something new that's happening. It's like, it's just, it's been there. Like, let's deal with it, right? And so there are some things that need to be unsaid. How many of you guys can already think of a lot of things that, like, that I'd like to take back in life? And, and we need to do that. Becca was telling me about something in her life that is kind of a unique way about how to unsay some things. Yeah, so this sabbatical part of it was amazing. Another part was, it was a, a little bit of a struggle and a wrestle with me because God knows that I have a desire to, to grow and to push like all of us do. And so, he, so I think at the beginning of this six week, he's, he's like, okay, well, let's deal with some things then. And so a lot of the sabbatical was me having to face certain habits I have and then why I do them. And so one of the things I was reading in Proverbs, it says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. And when I first read that, I was kind of struck by the apparent contradiction there because I thought, God, you tell us that we're supposed to encourage one another. You tell us to, you know, sing spiritual psalms to one another. You tell us to preach the gospel. You have to use words to do all of those things. And this doesn't say in the multitude of bad words, sin is not lacking, or in the multitude of unkind words. It says words. And so I started to kind of think about that and pray about it. And I realized that just that, that the theme of words was stuck on me the whole six weeks, but it was in a different way than it was stuck on Sean in that I do use a multitude of words. Um, and a lot of them are good words. They're positive words. But I use them as a weapon, or I use them to build a defense, or I use them to make myself look innocent. Anybody understand what I'm saying? You know, I could just, this flood of words will come out of my mouth to explain why I didn't mean what he thought I meant, and why this person needs to understand that this is what I was really saying, and just on and on and on. And so I began to see this in me, and I didn't like it. And so I, be, I started to pray, and like, God, help me with this. I don't like this. And so he showed this, he showed me why I was doing this in a really weird way. And so we are runners, I guess. We run, I don't know. Sometimes, um, sometimes we run. Sometimes we run. And, and so we will run in our neighborhood, and if you do two laps in our neighborhood, it's about three and a half miles. And so I need to give you some kind of boring details so you will understand my story. But the second half of one of the laps, it's kind of a super long stretch of road, and then you turn down into a cul-de-sac downhill, you do the cul-de-sac, you come back up and back the long stretch. And sometimes when I run, it's great. Sometimes when I run, the internal conversation in my head, it sounds like a six-year-old or something. I mean, it's like, it's so hot, I hate this, keep going, keep going, don't walk, don't walk, don't walk, you got one more hill, you got, you know, okay, one half more, you know, 15 more minutes, just keep going, keep going, keep going, Becca. 
and uh, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's not, because some of the words I'm saying are encouraging, I guess, but it's just the high emotional level that's playing in my head. And so we were on this run, it was super hot that day, and I had just turned on to that long stretch, and a worship song just started playing in my earbuds. And so I said this statement to myself, like, okay, this song will still be playing by the time I make that turn and start heading back. I, it was just, I was just setting a little goal to try to make it more interesting for myself. And so I got to that point, I turned around, and I was heading back, and I said, well, I did it. The song is still playing. And immediately, I started to argue with myself. And I was like, no, 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 you're not heading back until you hit the long stretch. And so then I kept arguing with myself. I was saying last night, I feel like God always asked me to share like the most embarrassing things. <laughs> so I'm having this real life argument. Like, no, I turned around, what, what the heck? No, it's not till you get to the straightaway. And so I finally like firmly said, no, I turned around, I made my goal. And it pushed back again. And this is gonna maybe sound weird to some of you, but it was, there was something in the tone of voice in that pushback, and I realized all of a sudden, that's not me. I'm not the one arguing with myself, that's the enemy. That's the enemy trying to get me to think I'm not doing good enough. Um, and it was this little tiny thing about when I turned around or what, you know, but as soon as I realized it was the enemy, of course I knew how to deal with that, but that one revelation has given me like 12 revelations about things that are happening on the inside of me. And I, I wish I could share all of them, but I can only share a couple that applies to this. And one of them is that if I were in a normal state of mind, I would have immediately recognized that voice. You know what I mean? It's because my state of mind sounded like the enemy, honestly. It was high, it was irrational, it was complaining. And so all the enemy had to do was just talk to me, and I thought it was me the whole time. And then the second thing is just, it's like I was so quick to believe it. And also it showed me how often I have that, that uh, high state. Like when I get into stressful situations on the outside, I may be super calm, but on the inside, it's like super fast, lots and lots and lots and lots of eternal, internal words. And so God showed me this scripture and he's like, it's important what you say on the inside too. How many words are you saying on the inside? God tells us to be still and know that to be calm, to be quiet. So some things need to be unsaid even on the inside. It's good. There, there's some things you've said or thought about God that needs to be unsaid, taken back, renounced. There's some things about other people, about your spouse, even about yourself. And that is called repentance. I mean, you guys are so thankful that we serve a God who's a God full of grace and mercy, that things that we have said can be unsaid in the spirit and they can be washed clean, right? That's just called repentance. All right, are you guys ready for my favorite picture from sabbatical? Okay, my favorite, I've been saving this one. This is my favorite picture from sabbatical, here it is. It's beautiful, thank you guys. This, um, we renewed our vows while we were on sabbatical. And this is my, my dad. I love this picture because this is the moment he had to hold the flowers for us. <laughs> and if you look closely, which you probably can't see from where you're at, he's also giving a side eye to the camera like, what am I, what am I doing? But we just had a group, and you can't see all the, the we just had close family there. And 
we just, I just felt like, you know, a lot of times when somebody renews their vows, there's a reason why you need to renew your vows because something has happened that you need to renew your vows for. There, we didn't have anything like that. I just felt like there, this is really point number two, that some things need to be reset. There's some things that maybe a while ago you have said, but you've stopped believing. There may be some things a long time ago that maybe you've forgotten about, or maybe that someone else needs to hear again. And I just felt like, and so we said our vows to one another again, because they were just some things that we just wanted to re-say. I mean, we've been married for 27 years, and we just felt like it was time to re-say some things. And so we re-said some things. And one of the times I was reading my Bible in the morning, Philippians chapter one, verse nine came up. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. You see, just as I thought there were truth people and I was a truth person, I also thought there were love people and they had something I couldn't get. They had access to something I couldn't have. And, you know, I realized that now I know that, root, that words only rooted in love can actually be the ones that are said. It has to be rooted in love. But I thought that there were truth people who need to add love and love people who need to add truth. But God, God for some reason, just needed to say it to me this way. Love is not a spiritual gift. See, sometimes we think of love as a spiritual gift. Some people have it, some people don't. Joy, a spiritual gift. Some people have it, some people don't. Peace, a spiritual gift. Some people have it, some people don't. Love is not a spiritual gift. Love is a spiritual fruit. So everyone, anyone here who has access to God because God is love, that the more you grow and grow closer to God, the more and more you also simultaneously grow in love, rooted in love. So every single person has the same access to the love of God, to grow in the love of God, to be rooted in the love of God. There are no spiritual favorites and there are no special forces in the kingdom of God when it comes to the love of God. And again, I don't know why it takes so long sometimes for you to have certain revelations. Maybe it's just God setting it up for you to have a full understanding of certain things. But for some reason, I just didn't get that until being 45 years old on my second sabbatical and all of that. And, and what it did for me, though, is to realize that I don't have to just be a truth person with my words. That I am a person who is rooted in the love of God. And when I'm rooted in the love of God, then guess what? The fruit of the love of God comes through my words. And it, it comes from being rooted that the fruit actually comes. So you have as much access to the love of God as any other person on the planet. You have as much ability to be rooted in the love of God so that when your words speak, it comes and the nutrients of love mark those words in other people. Which leads me to the, to the next thing, which is this, that there are some things that need to be unsaid, some things reset, some things need to be faith said. You see, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about over and over again is that words are weapons, but then God revealed to me like, like I should have known this a long time, but a long time ago, but that words are not weapons, words are gifts. When you're rooted in the love of God, all of a sudden I've, I've just this world of possibility opens up to me where I realize that everywhere around me is an opportunity to deposit strength in other people, 
to deposit courage in other people, to deposit faith. Like, I have this unlimited ability to be able to, it's, it's like I thought about, have you guys played video games and you, you ever, you know, your, your character starts losing health like they're about to die, right? And then you have to go and you have to find little hearts or something to get your health built back up so that you're strong again. I just saw it like that. Like, I have this ability through God being rooted in his love to be able to gift health to people like strength to people all around me. And I have this unlimited ability to be able to do it. The only limitation is the time and, and the, the situation of being able to be in a situation. But I, can un, I, have no, I have no limitation of that because I'm rooted in the love of God. And I began to realize there are enormous power in my words to be able to gift strength and health and courage in other people but I probably have to do that by faith, right? <laughs> How many of you guys right now, you're thinking, man, I, that's great. However, I'm looking around at the people and I don't feel like doing that, right? You have to be able to do that by faith. Some things are going to have to be faith said. You're going to have to realize I'm rooted in the love of God. I'm not outside of the love of God. I'm rooted in it. And because of that, now I just have to look and, and look with hope and be able to deposit faith in other people through my words. And so that, that's one of the things that God was really rooting in me is this gift of words. Becca had a, a story about this in her life. Yeah, so during the sabbatical I had, I did, like I said, I had a few kind of valleys that I walked into myself because I wanted to meet with God and to grow and to get things better. Anyway, I was having this really low spot and uh, I whipped out a verse I've been whipping out for several years now, which is Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. And I have said that verse thousands of times probably. And so I said this one again when I was in a super low spot. And then I just, I was all by myself and I just said to God, I'm like, where, where? You say you're my help, I don't feel helped. And isn't that the point, God? Like if I don't feel it, are you really helping me? Like I'm struggling, God. It says you're my help, but where, where? And if I can't feel it, what's the point? And just immediately, I just heard a whisper, and all the whisper said was, is the Bible true or it's not? And probably just, you know, from being saved for so long, I just answered, the Bible is true. And when I said that, it's like some faith just was deposited in me. And I said it again, and I said, the Bible is true. And then as soon as I said that, I was, I was like totally filled and I got a gift of like strength and resolve and determination. And I said, the Bible is true. And I said, if the Bible is true, everybody focus in with me. If this word is true, then I am being helped. Whether I feel it or not, if this Bible is true, then nothing is impossible, right? If it's true, then all things work together for my good. If it's true that when I'm, then when I'm weak, I'm actually strong. If this is true, then I'm never alone. God is with me. And if this is true, that he, that he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I started speaking out all those things that I knew was true. And, you know, what does it say? It says he's our very present help. Where? Right here. Right here, not somewhere else. Here. In trouble. When? Right now right now and when i started speaking that out it legitimately began to it didn't even matter anymore whether i felt it or not because i knew that it was true i knew that it was true 
And so I started speaking that out and did the thing that I was struggling with change? No, no, it didn't. Did the way it was affecting me change? Yes. Did my faith grow? Yes. Did my trust grow? Yes. And the way that when you keep uh, working with God and keep struggling, keep walking through it, walking through the trials, what happens is a lot of times you don't go back. Like my faith is stronger today than it was before this moment, which, which was just a few weeks ago. And you'll just grow and grow and grow. And so you have to say those things, you know? You have to figure out what God is saying and say that. Because the, the, the I don't know if it's ironic or funny or whatever, it's like, well, whatever God is saying, that's the thing that's ultimately true. Because whatever he says is truth. And so you're never speaking more truth than when you say what God is saying. And so you need to look at the people around you, look at the situations around you, figure out what God is saying and say that. Amen. I'm going to have to retire and just pass it off. But... So you might have to see what God sees to say what God says. That means we have to get in the presence of God and not look with our natural eyes, begin to see. When you see what God sees, you can say what God says. And so one of the things I love about the word encouragement is, and, and by the way, next week I'm, pro, I'm pretty much decided I'm going to share some things um, just personally that I believe, I'm going to share some things about being able to totally change next week, about some things that God's revealed. But one of the things has to do with this word encouragement. The, the word literally means to put courage in. So when you encourage someone, you are putting courage in that person. Think about the opportunity to use your words as a gift to put courage in people. And Jesus was our example. Jesus was our example because, he, I mean, think about it. When he, he looked at the person who was lame and he says, rise and walk. Now, he, he gives this possibility to this person to put courage in them. Now, they can do what they, with it what they want to, but Jesus give, gifts this opportunity of faith or of courage, this opportune time, right? He, he says to Peter, come out on the water. What, well, Peter didn't have to come on out, but he gifted this opportunity of strength and courage that created a new thought and a new possibility that Peter didn't have before. Right? When he says, I forgive, what is he doing? He, you don't have to respond to that, but what, what is he doing? He's putting courage and a gift inside of you to be able to take opportunity, take hold of that. And we have that, we have that gift to give to every single person around us, that you can give the gift of your opportunity. So what kind of gift do you need to give this week? I just want to close up with this. The, the worship team can come back at this time, but our words set the direction for our life. How, how, many, how many miracles have we talked ourselves out of? How much hurt have we caused in other people? How much discouragement have we left hanging in our own heart? How many times have we agreed, used, how, how many times have we let our words agree with Satan's agenda instead of God's agenda? See, our words set the agenda for our heart, sets the direction of our heart. So if there are things in your life that you need to unsay, repent. Put them under the blood of Jesus. Listen, you can't go back and even fix all of the words that you've said because some people aren't there anymore or some situations have passed. But what you can do is you can put them under the blood of Jesus. He died on the cross. He took the, paid the price for our sins. And that doesn't mean that everything gets to be put back into the, as if it never happened in that sense, but it can be before the Lord's eyes. 
And so if there are things you need to unsay, find an opportunity to unsay them or put them under the blood of Jesus. Give them back to Jesus. If there are things you need to re-say, look for the opportunity. The Bible says when, when you have opportunity to do good, do it. If something good comes to mind, speak it out. I can't tell you how many times I've thought good things, but I haven't spoken them out to other people. How many opportunities have I missed to be able to gift someone strength, to gift someone courage, to gift someone health, because I just simply withheld my tongue and I withheld good. If there are things you need to faith say, maybe we need to get in the presence of God and stop looking through our own lenses and our own situations and our own hurts and our own past and say, God, would you give me your glasses so that I can see this situation through your eyes? Because when you see what God sees, you can say what God says. Every single person here has the same access to the love of God, to be rooted in the love of God. And so would you stand up with us as we get ready to enter into worship once again and let's just, God, we wanna be more rooted in your love than ever before so that what comes out of our heart, the abundance of our heart, the meditation of our heart and the words of our lips would be pleasing to you. Lord, would you help us to see our situations, other people, Lord, even the condition of our own heart with your eyes so that we can gift with the gift of words rooted in love, strength, courage, hope, help, love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control so that we can be people who give the gift of your love. So as we come before you in worship, we thank you, God, how faithful you are to us. And Lord, how rooted we are in your love. And we rest in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.